good morning. Thanks for joining us. If you're joining us online, thank you. Hey, if it's your first time, we appreciate you coming out. I know it's a big step. We're glad you're here. So Tony Evans shared this thought. Do you know the sun always shines? No, 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 no. Last night it didn't, Andy, from 7 or 7 or whatever it is, the sun didn't shine. Well, that wasn't an issue with the sun. That was an issue with the earth's rotation. In a sense, the earth rotates, put its back to the sun. And part of the world is always in the dark, not because of the sun, because of the rotation of the earth. You know, we can do that too when it comes to God. God's always there. He's always available, but we can rotate our way right out of a relationship with God. And I want to talk about what happens when we turn our back on God. So if you've got a Bible, if you'd open that to 1 Samuel 28, we'll start in verse 3 and we'll go all the way through the end of the chapter, verse, verse 25, asking the question, what happens when we turn our back on God? Now, if you haven't been with us, we've been in the book of 1 Samuel, and we'll go into 2 Samuel after this. We've been in it for a while. This is the transition from Israel as a loose federation of states to a monarchy under a king. And what really drove this is the people's desire for security. And they thought, you know, we're having problems with these invading armies. What we really need is we really need to be like the other countries. We need a king. And God said, no, that's a bad idea. Who you really need is me. No, 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 no. We need a king. And, and finally, God said, you want a king? I'll give you a king. And ultimately, you'll learn who or what you need is me. So they got their first king. His name was Saul. He was tall. He was handsome. But he missed a couple things, key points at his anointing. The word was chosen so that you're a prince, you're a ruler. Didn't use the word for king. And that was to say, Saul, your kingship will not be... You will not have ultimate autonomy. You will work under my autonomy. Saul missed that memo. And on two different occasions, God gave him direct instructions of what to do, and, and he did something else. And when confronted, rather than say, you know what, you're right, I need to change, Saul said, no, 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 no. it's really not my fault. It was the people, it was he blamed, he rationalized, and God said, we're moving on. We're moving on. I need a king who's after my own heart. So David was anointed. And this is David who dropped Goliath with the stone, that guy. And I don't know that Saul knew about the anointing, but he sure knew that David's popularity was rising. He's very threatened. He began to chase David. And through that, God was teaching David about faith. David showed some great faith. But last week, he showed his fallibility, too. He said, yeah, I can't count on God. He went to live with the Philistines. And when we left, he was actually in, in battle formation to go fight Israel. So we're going to pause there in that battle formation, and we're going to jump to the other side. We're going to see what Saul thinks as these Philistine troops are lined up. So that's where we are. So verse 3 says this. It gives us a little history that will help us set context. Now Samuel was dead. The name of the book is Samuel. Samuel was a prophet. He was the voice of God. But he has died, and all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul <laughs> had removed from the land those who were mediums and spiritists. So two things. Samuel's dead. And spiritists and mediums have been removed. Those two events will come into play shortly. Now when Saul removed the mediums, he wasn't kind of launching out on his own. He was just reinforcing what God had said long before Israel entered the promised land. In Leviticus 20 verse 6, 
says, as for the person who turns to mediums and dispiritists to play the harlot after them, I will also set my face against that person and will cut him off from among his people. So as they entered the promised land, there were folks who were engaging the occult. And God said, you do that, I'll cut you off. Why? Because you're seeking someone other than me for direction in life. Bible lets us know there's, there's two kingdoms going on. They're in conflict, God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom. And the occult serves that kingdom. And there are people who are fascinated with it today. And I would say the prohibition in Leviticus 20, verse 6, is still in play. To seek the occult is to deny God. Okay, Samuel's dead. Saul's cut off the mediums. Uh, verse 4. So the Philistines gathered together and camped in Shenem. And Saul gathered all Israel together, and they camped in Gilboa. Without going into a huge geography lesson, you need to know this. The Philistines are pressing into Israel. They're taking territory. Saul's response, when Saul saw the camp of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. If you've been with us, you know God's number one command to his people is do not fear. Saul's very afraid right now. Why? Because he's cut off from God. Saul has done his own thing, gone his own way, and God has said, you know, I'll, I'll let you make that decision. How bad was it? Verse 6, <laughs> when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. So there were many ways that God made himself known. God's not answering. Saul's knocking. God's not answering. Verse 7, then Saul said to his servants, seek for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there's a woman who is a medium at Endor. Now, again, this is a compressed narrative. We don't know all that went on. But here's what's really significant. Saul had cut off mediums. He had cut off spiritists. And now he's seeking one. Why? Why would you do that? You are desperate you got a big old army over there. You go to God. He ain't answering. So you want to get some kind of answer some way. You and I get cut off from God. We can do all kind of crazy things. Saul's showing us he, he ought to know better. He's the one who cut off the mediums. But he thinks he might be able to get away with it this time. So what's he do? Verse 8, then Saul disguised himself by putting on other clothes and went, he and two men, went, men with him, and they came to the woman by night. By night, no one can see you, except God can. And he said, conjure up for me, please, and bring up for me whom I shall name to you. But the woman said, and behold, you know what Saul is done. You see the irony here? Whoa, 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 we can't do this, because Saul, little did she know she's talking to Saul, Saul has done how he has cut off those who are mediums and spiritists from the land. Why, are then you, why then are you laying a snare for my life to bring about my death? Catch the hypocrisy. Catch the irony here in verse 10. It's all vowed to her by the Lord. Remember, he's cut off from the Lord. Saying, as the Lord lives... No punishment shall come upon you for this thing. He's given an assurance. He has no business giving. 
He's misleading this woman. He's seeking a medium when he kind of went, why? He's desperate. And he'll stoop to any level. He'll do any kind of thing to maybe somehow, some way, get a word from God. When Paul wrote the book of Romans in the New Testament, he wrote a letter. He said, look, God's made himself known in the creation. God has showed himself. But humanity, because they want to live apart from God, denies him. And at some point, God says, enough. Here's what Paul said in Romans 1, verse 21, about people, humanity. For even though they knew God, they did not honor God, him as God, or give thanks. Catch this now. They became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. You see futility here? Really, God's cut himself off, and you think some medium's going to be able to pull it out for you. You see foolishness? I do. God shows himself. He calls. He beckons. But if we push back and we push back, at some point, God says, okay, okay, you can go your own way. What we're seeing here is really original sin in the garden. God created paradise, and Adam and Eve just said, yeah, I don't want to do that. I want to do my own thing. I want to be my own God. That created a separation between God and humanity. So Paul is, is living out this futility. He's living out this foolishness. Verse 11, the woman said, whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman spoke to Saul saying, why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. You've been lying to me. You've been Oh, Saul's got, Saul's got more for her. The king said to her, do not be afraid. Why would you say that, Saul? Because you're really afraid right now. But he's telling her, do not be afraid. But what do you see? The woman said, I see a divine being coming up out of the earth. <laughs> and he said to her, what is the form? And he said, an old man is coming up, and he is wrapped with a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel. And he bowed with his face to the ground and did homage. And again, this is a compressed narrative. We don't know how Saul knew, but, but he knows. He's talking to Samuel. He thought, you know, Samuel back in the day, way back before I did my own thing, he was my way to God. Maybe, maybe he can do something here. Verse 15, then Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am greatly distressed, for the Philistines are waging war against me, and God has departed from me and no longer answers me, either through prophets or by dreams. Therefore, I've called you that you make known to me what I should do. Samuel said, verse 16, why then do you ask me, since the Lord has departed from you and has become your adversary? The Lord has done according as he spoke through me. Remember way back in the day, Saul, when I was alive? For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, to David. Specifically, verse 18, as you did not obey the Lord, it did not execute its fierce wrath on Amalek. So the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Amalek was just a, a symptom of Saul's heart problem. I said, I want you to go in. I want you to take these people out. They're ruthless. They pick on the vulnerable. And when, when, when you get in there, I, I want you to destroy everyone and everything. Well, Saul destroyed everyone but the king because the king was kind of a trophy. Look who I've conquered. And he didn't get rid of the livestock because livestock's worth money. 
When Samuel said, hey, 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 what happened? Saul said, oh, it's the people. Saul, you're the king. People, and, 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 and it was to offer a sacrifice. Samuel said, I'm not buying it. To obey is to better to sacrifice. Saul, you're done. I'm getting a new king. So that, that's all past information. That Samuel is committing to Saul, communicating to Saul. Verse 19 is new information. Here we go. Here's the new information. You ready for this? Moreover, the Lord will also give over Israel along with you into the hands of the Philistines. Therefore, tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me. You know what that means? Tomorrow, you're going to die in battle. Indeed, the Lord will give over the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. A ways back, Saul made some decisions. I'm going to do my own thing. When Samuel went to him and said, yeah, something's gone off track here, he, he didn't accept blame. He projected responsibility to other people and kept going his own way. And at some point, like God said in Romans, or what Paul said in Romans, God said, I'm done. Saul, you, you want to do your own thing, but you do your own thing. But you live out your choices. And that's what Saul's doing. And he just found out he's got 24 hours to live. So we ask this question, what happens? What happens when we turn our pack on God? At some point, God leaves us to our own desperation, which will end in our destruction. You want to do your own thing? I want to do my own thing. God calls, he beckons, he beckons. No, 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 I'm doing my own thing. I'm doing my own At some point, God leaves us to our desperation which will end in our destruction. Why is God putting in this, this in here, in his word? Trying to scare us. Trying to intimidate us. No, no, no. If God wanted to do that, he just, he just dropped the hammer. He's hoping that we're responsive to the word of God and the spirit of God so we don't walk this path. Can you and I learn at all from the mistakes of others. Look, God's not going to force himself on you. He's going to call on you. But at some point, he's going to say, okay. And here's another thing. God isn't interested in being our genie. You know what I mean? So I, I do my own thing, and I, now Saul's in real trouble here, so I pop the cork in the bottom, and out comes God. Hey, God, I need you to take care. God's not interested in being your genie or my genie. Now, if a person gets in crisis, and they generally repent, Genuinely repent, turn. God's all there. Think about the thief on the cross. But he knows our heart. And if your desire and my desire is, yeah, I, I, I want to do things on my own, but I got, I got myself a little trouble here. I need, I need some God here. Woo, I need some God, and I'll do some God, and then I'll boop, pop him back in the... God's not interested in being your genie or my genie. You know, we don't know what happened to Saul. Here's my speculation. He was king. You know, when you're king of the land... You know who you answer to? Nobody. Nobody tells you what to do. So he didn't like God telling him what to do. And somehow that position, that power gets to you and you think, nobody tells me. I can do what I want. 
and he found himself in a desperate place. I'm wondering, as the Spirit of God examines your life and my life, is there stuff where we think, yeah, that's leading us think, yeah, no, no one's going to tell me what to do. When we graduated from seminary in 1996, last thing we did, we were going overseas, we needed a laptop computer, bought that. That took our checking account to under $500. We're going to Latin America on a salary of 1800 bucks a month. It's 1996, we owned a 1985 Honda Accord. That was our net worth. I got to tell you, we were really responsive to God. And we went because he thought, we thought he, he was leading us there. And man, he, I'm telling you, he provided for us and I'll save you all that. But man, we were really responsive because we didn't have much. We didn't have much of the world. See, now, now things have changed. If you were to talk to my parents, I ended up quit being a missionary and I got a real job. I'm a pastor now. So I get a salary. And then we got some family money. Then we got our kids raised and my wife went back to work as teacher. And we got, we're in a lot better position financially. Here's the question I've got to ask myself. Does that additional money, does that additional net worth make me less responsive to God? See, I, I, we're pretty good. Well, at least compared to when we graduated from seminary, we're pretty good. We're all right. We're okay. It's money. Or security, or position, or your popularity, or your, your 403B, or your 401K? Is that making you a little bit independent? Calling it, but careful. Because I think Saul's position got to him, and it's living dark. He's turned his back on God. And now he's in, on the road to destruction. Verse 20. Then Saul immediately fell full length upon the ground. And was very afraid. He ought to be. Because of the words of Samuel. Also there was no strength in him. For he had eaten no food all day and all night. The woman came to Saul. And saw that he was terrified. And said to him. Behold your maidservant has obeyed you. And I have taken my life in my hand. And have listened to your words which you spoke to me. So now also please listen to the voice of your maidservant. Let me set a piece of bread before you <coughs> that you may eat and have strength when you go on your way. But he refused and said, I will not eat. However, his servants, together with the woman, urged him and he listened to them. So he rose from the ground and sat on the bed. The woman had a fattened calf in the house and she quickly slaughtered it and took flour, kneaded it and baked unleavened bread from it. She brought it before Saul and his servants and they ate. And they arose and went away that night. Again, God's putting in this word, this in his word, not to frighten us, not to scare us. But take, make us aware of our tendency. This is, this is a thread throughout the Bible. We turn our back and we go our own way. And God wants us to know this is where this path has taken you. Desperation, which will lead to destruction, but it doesn't have to go that way. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came, planned God, and lived the life we we're supposed to live. Full submission to God. According to the plan of God, died on the cross, certified dead. They stuck a spear in his side, and the discharge showed he was dead. Buried on a Friday, put a Roman guard in front of that tomb, and 
keep it secure. And they did till Sunday morning when Jesus came out, rose from the dead. So you and I can have a changed heart, a transformed life. We can have our rebellion against God forgiven and we can be made right. I want you to be aware in Jesus' earthly ministry, he had three years at the end of his life, earthly ministry. He was the son of God. He had all authority. But here's what he said about what he did in John 5, verse 19. Jesus in a discussion with the religious leaders who were opposed to him. Jesus answered and was saying to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son of God can do nothing of himself unless it's something he sees the father doing. That's submission. I'm not acting independently. I ain't doing my own thing. I don't do it unless I see the Father do it. That's the Son of God saying that. You and I need that spirit in our lives. That spirit of Jesus who says, I don't do anything unless the Father's telling me. For whatever the Father does... These things the Son also does in like manner. That's a submitted man. I don't act on my own. If I don't see the Father doing it, I don't do it. Would we take hold of that Jesus? That we don't have to walk this path that Saul walked. You don't, I don't have to go this way. Jesus said you can go another way. You can walk the way of the Father full in the light of his presence, and live not a destructive life, but an abundant life. Would we choose Jesus? So years ago, I heard a guy, a speaker, talked about getting his PhD at Yale University. Now, that'd be an intimidating gig. So he meets with his advisor. Father says, here's what I'd suggest you do in writing your PhD. I'd get one person in mind that you're writing this to. And the guy said, well, yeah, I'm thinking about my grandmother. He said, great. Write your doctoral thesis to your grandmother. So what he did is he put his grandmother's picture right by his computer. And anytime he sat down, right. It was grandma. Who's, who's he writing to? He's writing to grandma. He said, that got me through. I mean, I, I've never got a PhD. Couldn't imagine doing it, but there's all kinds of iterations, and you get this pushback and that pushback. We need this corrected, that changed, and that did. Okay, I, I, I can do that because I'm writing for, for grandma. You know where I'm going with this. Life's complex. Isn't a lot of things? A lot of things come in until it comes to throw us. Not grandma. I want you to look at Jesus. And, and whatever comes, I'm going to look at Jesus, the one who says, I don't do anything unless I see the Father doing it. Because you were born with a rebellious nature, and I was too. We do our own thing. We can change that direction. We don't have to go Saul's path, which was desperation that lead to destruction. We can go the path of Jesus, which is submission and fullness of life. That we choose Jesus and not Saul. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, <clears throat> we're grateful you care enough about us to let us learn from other people's mistakes. And we're not that different from Saul. 
We want to call our own shots. We want to do our own thing. Jesus came that we could live another trajectory. Saul lived a life of desperation that ended up in his destruction. Jesus calls us to a life of submission that ends us up in abundance, fullness of life. Lord, that we choose Jesus and his path over Saul and his path. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.